Are you tired of thinking that financial planning is only for the wealthy? In this episode, we'll show you how even those with modest incomes can benefit from working with a financial planner. And you will also find out from Nestor, our guest, what he would do if he had his financial planner magic wand. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Her Dinero Matters, the podcast helping Latinas have increased confidence and control over their finances. My name is Jen Hempel, and as an accredited financial counselor, my mission is to help you be more confident and simplify your finances so you can save more, get out of debt quicker, and build your wealth. Financial planning is a critical aspect of personal finance, but getting started on your own can be overwhelming. You may not know, but you don't have to wait until you accumulate a lot of money to work with a financial planner. There are different types of financial planners, and there are those who offer services to people of all ages, income levels, and they can make help you make sense of your finances, set your goals, and create a plan to achieve them. A financial planner can also help you navigate those complex financial scenarios, such as planning for the retirement and for the long term. This is your host, Jen Hempel. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Our guest, Nestor Vargas, is a certified financial planner who wants you to feel confident like I do about your financial future and stay on track to achieve your goals. Nestor is committed to our Latino community to help us feel safe and confident when it comes to our finances, when it comes to really building wealth. All also, let me remind you that there is a community waiting on you where you can share your thoughts or ask more questions about today's episode, and I will talk to you about that later in the show. But for now, let's go meet Nestor Vargas. Bienvenido, Nestor. ¿Cómo estás? I'm so excited to have you here. I am well. Thank you so much for having me. I am super honored to be in on this podcast as a podcaster myself. I know what goes into creating content and I know that you put so much love and effort into your content. And so I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you um, for those listening. I paid him good money to say that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to have you here. One, and I know I'm a little biased. It is Colombiano, so I love, you know, when I connect with other people from Colombia, I love having them on. And I love that it is un Colombiano that you are a CFP. I mean, hello, CFP. I, I couldn't become a CFP because that's, for me, that's just like too much, too much brain power. So I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, but yeah, I'm just really excited excited to have you here and I want and really excited to dig into who you are. So let's yes. go back in time, Nestor, take us back to a time in your life, a memory that you have that really has impacted to who you are to this day in terms of how you see money. And maybe it's something that really shifted you into the career that you're in today. Claro que sí, así es. Tremenda pregunta, te digo. Well, so if you have seen uh, Narcos on Netflix, the Colombian one, not the Mexican one, you would be able to put yourself in my shoes as a kid because I grew up in Colombia when I was 80, grew up in Villavicencio, uh, Los Llanos Orientales, which uh, that's really where a lot of the drug cartels and a lot of the stuff was happening. It's kind of the gateway through the jungle. And so in the 80s, uh, my parents were uh, merchants. They owned a little kind of bodega. 
and bodega was more for uh, like cosmetics, toilet paper, things of that sort. That's what they specialized in. And because there was so much money moving around in Colombia at that time, my parents were doing really, really well. I saw how business can really be beneficial for, for individuals, but then things turned south, right? And my parents were never savers. You know, I, I tell you a story. When I remember being a kid, I would get all this money and I would hide it, you know, in my pants and, and go to the bank to make the deposits, right? So as a kid, I, I could see that there was money being made, but I also could see that no one ever actually approached my father and said, hey, you're making great money. Are you saving us money? What's your plan for the future? And so that kind of stayed with me. And then as their business started to shift and, and not do so well, I remember my father waking up in in the middle of the night and just super anxious my mom you know waking up as well and he was just saying like i don't know how we're going to pay our bills i don't know how we're, we're going to be able to make this thing happen and so i mean i must have been maybe six or seven years old probably and that really you know stuck with me for forever that was the catalyst of me saying you know i'm i'm never going to be in that position i'm going to do everything i can to learn everything about personal finance and really be able to be an expert in that area. So that is my money memory for me, the, the most impactful uh, thing. But I also, I also saw my mom be someone who was a hard worker. I've seen her, you know, through the ups and down and always succeed. So I also, you know, I think it's really easy for someone to kind of go through that experience and be scared of spending money or be scared of, of challenges. But my mom was with someone and is still to this date someone that that is just, you know, go get her. So yeah, that's my money memory. That's so interesting because we lived, you know, we both left Colombia as kids. I left in the early 80s and I have some similar experiences in, in terms of, you mentioned there was no talk in terms of the saving the money. There wasn't talking that, but there was a lot of stress and there was a lot of tension in my family in terms of, I mean, literally where I had nightmares during those times. So it's just interesting, like the times, and, and granted, somos colombianos and even though I know you mentioned narcos, Colombia is an amazing place and narcos remembers tv so <laughs> but there were some tough times and i think we you and i have had some conversations i believe or maybe i'm making them up where <laughs> where i still to this day there's i still lock my doors there's still habits and things that I know are part of my upbringing uh, during those times of economic uncertainty and then also feeling safe, right? Because there was the, all everything that was going on. Uh, that is very interesting. And so you left, you, I know you didn't say, but I just know you left as a kid. How old were you when you came to the States? Seven years old. I remember to this day having a backpack, being in an El Dorado airport in Bogota. My mom just crying because she couldn't come with with me. I left without my parents uh, and came and lived with my grandma and my aunt. Uh, so that's why I'm like so excited to be on this podcast because I've grown up with like females. That has been kind of my authority figure. Uh, but yeah, that's I was seven years old. I was eight and also left with mom without my mom too. That is so interesting. Wow. Now you're a financial planner. And so you've had this upbringing and I'm curious to know why did you become a financial planner? What led to that? Is there a specific moment in your life where you knew that this was it? This was what you wanted to do? I've always loved business because I grew up in that atmosphere. Uh, I saw the flexibility and the autonomy that business can 
bring to the table. And uh, I always loved numbers. So I went to school for finance. I got a business administration degree and I and I and my focus was in finance because you could do marketing or, or accounting. I did finance. And um, I started working at a bank out of college where I quickly realized that really what I was doing is putting people into debt because that's really what banks want to do is loan money. That's how they make interest, right? And that's how they make money. And so it's like, you know, I, I still love what I do, but I want to figure out a, a better way to help people. I, I want to make sure that I'm the person who approaches my father and says, hey, what's your savings plan? Let me help you. Let's let's create something that is here for the good times and bad times. That's really kind of what was the catalyst of me wanting to go into personal finance. That is so interesting. And I love that you shared that banks are here. Well, banks, are a very profitable institution. We have we they have all our money or most of our money, <laughs> and they're using it to loan it out, and they are getting paid an in interest. Uh, so I like that you mentioned that you were wanting to be more of more helpful in teaching, basically teaching people and and helping people with their personal finances. Now you also have a podcast called Green Cards to Greenbacks, which I've had a, the pleasure of being on, which was a lot of fun. I'm curious because you have a financial planning firm, but, and then you've decided to do this podcast. So what was the reason behind doing the podcast? Because Green Cards to Greenbacks is more for immigrants and, and Latinos. So I'm just curious, but your firm, I suppose, doesn't just... I mean, doesn't just focus on Latinos, right? Or so tell us the, your vision as to why you decided to do the podcast. I, I think there's a deeper layer in your question. The layer was that when I came to the States, I didn't really have a figure that I could look up to from a career perspective or money, money or money making perspective. The only people that I saw that were successful in my definition of success at that point in time were white people, right? And so, uh, and I don't have anything against white people. My wife is white. I love, I love my mi gente blanca, but that's, that's how I grew up. And so I lost my identity. A lot of my identity was kind of, I put it away and I started assimilating to write the, the American culture, things of that sort. That's the life I lived for probably 20 something years. It was more of how do I fit in uh, with the white Caucasian people. So I worked at Fidelity for, for eight years and, you know, I, I left Fidelity to start my my own firm about five years ago, actually five years ago. It's called Green Mountain Planning. And yeah, no, I serve everyone. I've got Latinos that I work with. I've got white people that I work with. And then, you know, I started kind of just saying, okay, like what, what's next? Started doing research on Latinos and how they interact with money. And I come to find out that there's 62 million of us here in the United States, which is an amazing amount of people, but only 5% of us are using the stock market to create wealth. And I thought that was just crazy. Green cards to greenbacks, uh, green, <laughs> green cards to greenbacks is a podcast where I want to do three things. Educate mi gente. I want to inspire mi gente. And I want to make sure that we create community because that's the thing that is what's one thing that is really lacking in our community is that we don't talk about money, right? Like it's, it's, I think very broad in, in all ethnicities, but especially in the Latino community, we don't talk about money. I know, for example, myself, I'm a part of a few Facebook groups where there's a lot of white people talking about finances and helping each other out. And it's being moderated by a financial planner that I know. I can't find that. Uh, I couldn't find that uh, as a Latino 
soon. That's that's where the podcast and the vision uh, became is me coming back to my identity and really just making sure I provide a platform for people to to have a safe discussion. I love that. And I love seeing because there's not many, there's a very small percentage. I don't remember what the percentage is of financial planners that are Latino. <laughs> very small. I don't know if it's like 1% or less than 1%. I, I just know it's it's very, very low. So I'm glad you are out there doing what you're doing. Speaking of the term financial planners, let's talk briefly because that is actually a term that's been along, around for a long time. Uh, so if you're in the like, if you're in the world of personal finance, teaching financial literacy, doing financial education, and like someone like me, that's an accredited financial counselor, people automatically assume <laughs> I'm a financial planner because that's the terminology that's been around for a, a very long time. I've noticed and in, in my observations is that people don't really have an understanding as to what financial planners do or they feel like they do it all, right? So tell us briefly, if you could tell us, um, so we're all, everybody listening uh, is on the same page. What is a financial planner? What, you know, what do they do and maybe what they don't do? You said briefly, so I'm going to do my best, but I could probably sit here and tuck your ear off. I want to make sure we use maybe something that we're all very used to, a doctor, right? Now, I know mi gente, we don't see the doctors like we should be, but I, I hopefully, hopefully you've seen a doctor once, right? You have a doctor, but a doctor can also specialize in oncology, can specialize in urology. That's the same thing with our industry. There are individuals who specialize in working with business owners or just income planning, retirement planning or just working with uh, young individuals. So I want you to kind of maybe first paint that picture, but I want to make sure that I talk about what a financial planner is versus a wealth manager, because there's two differences. There's a big differences there. And then we can talk about what financial planners uh, do, right? So a wealth manager, by its definition, only works with people who already have wealth so they can manage their wealth, right? So those individuals are very investment focused. Most of the time have a minimum of maybe 500000 to $1 million dollars to work with with someone and that's what that's their space to work in right now think of a financial planner as a, a, a financial map maker of your uh, money life and so a financial planner is going to help you with questions like hey how should I save for college or hey how do I pay the least amount of taxes can you look at my tax return can you look at my overall picture and tell me what moves I need to make or hey can can you tell me like how well I'm doing towards retirement we cover things Things like state planning, we cover things like tax planning, retirement planning, income planning. So once you start creating, wanting to create income, like how do I take this money out of my accounts in the most tax efficient way? Here's where things kind of get a little interesting because financial planners, there are financial planners that just do financial planning and don't manage money. There are wealth advisors that just manage money but don't do financial planning. Have you ever wondered how on earth your friend bought their home? or why your coworker meticulously splits the tab down to the last Diet Coke. Other People's Pockets is a show about other people's money. Host Maya Lau asks people from all walks of life to get radically transparent about their personal finances in actual dollar amounts. You'll hear from a dominatrix who gets paid to bully men at the ATM, an elite scientist who couch surfed to survive, a business prodigy who flipped his services from drugs to dumbbells and more. You can find Other People's Pockets wherever you get your podcasts. 
the idea there for for the audience, what I want them to kind of walk away with is that there are people like me who are happy to work with anyone who has whatever level of money, amount of money, who still need a financial plan. It's not just for the wealthy. Yes. And I'm glad that you said that because that is an assumption that we do tend to make, not just amongst Latinos, in, in general, just the pop, everybody in general, we tend to think financial planner, you have to have money. <laughs> You have to have lots of money, and, and that's not the case. And I love how you explained that so simply. Thank you. Because uh, I know there's a lot more intricacies with that, especially in the, you know being a certified financial planner. And So let's talk about just briefly. <laughs> Because I say briefly, because I know we can, it could be a long conversation <laughs> because you are a fee only financial planner. So if you could tell us what that is, what it is and what it isn't. This could be a podcast on its own. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to really make sure that Nuestra Gente walks away feeling a lot more educated and confident in reaching out to someone that is has their best interest. Let's go back to the doctor story, right? Imagine if you walked into a doctor's office and the doctor walks into the room and they're wearing their coat, right? Like their, their doctor coat has their name and right below their name is the logo for ph pharmaceutical company. How would you feel, right? What I'm trying to say is that you don't want a doctor to be working for a company or a pharmaceutical company. You want a doctor to be working for you, right? You want the doctor to have the ability to then, once they diagnose your symptoms and figure out what they need to do, to go out there and choose the best pharmaceutical company for you. And so when we talk about financial advisors, financial planners, wealth advisors, I mean, whatever you want to call them uh, or call us, right? I'm part of, of that group. You want to choose someone who represents you, not a company. And this can get really, really tricky, but a fee-only financial advisor basically only gets paid by you the individual. So therefore, there's a lot less conflicts of interest of that person trying to sell you something because they typically don't sell any products. They'll, they'll manage money like I manage money for my clients as well for those that have money. But that is where the fee-only route comes. A independent fee-only advisor is working for you, not for, for a company. Absolutely. And I've had these conversations where I know because there are very well-known companies uh, that have commission-based, if you will, planners. And, and that's who... Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Who they go to. And, and I always say, and I know you, you may have and I'm a, a different you know opinion, and, and that's completely okay. I always say that fee only, like you said, it's they, they're working for you, but that's not to say commission-based planners aren't bad, right? Uh, com there's a lot of good commission-based planners. It's just you have to understand that they can only you offer you those products under that umbrella. So and then there's those fee you have to look at the fees structure and, and understand and make sure that because I know there's some that really do a good job of like being very transparent what the fees are and, and all that. But I just want to put that out there and, and, and I wanted to see your <laughs> <laughs> no, I was one of them. You know, I worked at Fidelity for, for eight years and 
we, we wouldn't be able to call ourselves fee only, but we could call ourselves fiduciary, which by the way, Jen, I think we need to touch on that topic because that word has been thrown a, a lot, around a lot very loosely. And I want to leave, I, I want to leave our audience with a very good way to really find out if someone's a fiduciary or not. But I, I'm in a mastermind with other four advisors and meet with them every two weeks. Two of them are commission-based uh, advisors and I would trust them with my money. So yeah, it's it's not one or the other, right? Like it's not like we, we can't we can't stereotype people, but you know, being able to understand what you're getting yourself into puts you in a position to ask better questions and really analyze what's being presented for you. Absolutely. And speaking of fiduciary, okay, talk to us. What does fiduciary mean? Fiduciary means it's someone that is supposed to act in your best interest. The problem there is that there is no governing body that can actually regulate who uses the word fiduciary or not. Okay. The problem, the bigger problem is that someone can be a fiduciary and at the same time not be a fiduciary. Crazy. Let me kind of explain this for you. Fidelity, right? I'll talk about Fidelity. I'll talk about Charles Schwab. I'll talk about Vanguard. I'll talk about all those hybrid companies. Hybrid. They can be fiduciaries and also they have a broker dealer business. Here's here's what can happen, right? The, the question is, the question that we should be asking people who we want to work with or an advisor we're trying to engage with is that are you a fiduciary the question is are you always a fiduciary because that person can be acting as a fiduciary and at the same time be able to take their hat off that is the word in the industry and basically it sounds something like this hey by the way I'm now, I'm now acting as a representative of fidelity investments you have no idea what's just happened you're like yeah you are so you work for fidelity what they're telling you is that they can now sell you products that are commission-based and then no longer no longer have to act in your best interest I think of it too I was in real estate at the time and you have those real estate agents that sell for you know that are representing the buyers you have those that are representing the sellers and then you have you know like let's say you walk into an open house you really like that house you want to make an offer and you talk to the realtor that's representing or that's selling that house they're representing the seller but they also can represent you so there's that fine line of in what best interest are there are they working who are they working for because they're they want their best interest is to sell the house but it's really hard in that situation i never liked those transactions if you will i never liked those because i needed to be one or the other i could not be ethically for me i could not represent both sides well because how can you how can you so it's the same i would you say it's similar to what you just mentioned with the companies that are hybrid because that they they're fiduciary at one point I Absolutely. I mean, listen, I've got this uh, guy who is basically in the office next to me, works for a credit union, and this credit union has like an investment advisory thing. And I can hear him all the time through his process. He starts, you know, talking about like the safe things, and then he kind of starts talking about annuities and insurance. And he's always, always pitching annuities and insurance, even though he can also manage money. Why is that? Annuities and insurance, big commissions, big commissions, right? I'm not saying that insurance products are wrong that annuities are wrong it's just that most of the times they're sold incorrectly yes it's kind of the same thing right? it's like okay am, am i going to represent this person as a fiduciary or not mm, hey we know that compensation drafts behavior right and yeah we're humans right and so most people are going to kind of go the route of selling what's commission yeah. right because you're also you may have to represent both sides but you also have you're taking care of your family too <laughs> 
<laughs> too. So like it's you know I'm not you know uh, bashing anyone. It's just we're human beings. So I just know in those situations ethically I take myself out of those different equations because I don't want to be put in that position because I'm a human being. I have flaws too, right? I am not perfect by any way, shapes, or uh, any way. Amiga, I'm with you. That's why. <laughs> that's why I had to leave. Frankly,、mm. frankly, you know, it was the constant like, hey, you're doing great helping people with their money and managing their money, but why aren't you like doing this insurance thing? And I was like, well, I don't really need it. We create a good plan that has you know some safety built into it, that has a war chest into it. So if something really bad happens, we can go into the war chest. Like we don't really need this insurance thing. And I just you know I, I was getting a lot of pressure. I was like, you know,、uh, we're we're good, we're good. Thank you, Fidelity. You were amazing to me. I gotta go. <laughs> right, right. Nestor, you mentioned earlier that I think you mentioned it was about five percent. Only five percent of Latinos are investing. It was、mm-hmm. some statistic like that. It is.、Yep. There is also, and I don't remember the exact statistic in terms of percentage. I just know that in the U.S., Latinos they're the biggest spenders yet the least savers. Did I say that、yep. right? Biggest、yep. spenders, but they're you know, which, which really coincides with your statistic. So having、yep. said that. If you could just wave a magic wand, you know Nestor's magic wand, who's a financial planner, CFP, and make all the Latinos in the U.S. do maybe three things with their finances. What would those three things be? Mi gente, I, I want to talk to you guys right now directly, and I want you to know that you are just making people richer. You are making these corporations richer, and it's time for us to find the confidence, the knowledge to be better. The first thing that I would say is let's start saving. Okay, <laughs> like please. Please let's start saving. I have a stat right here in front of me from an agency that specializes in gathering data, and Hispanics spend more money on clothing and shoes than any. Other ethnicity. I think that's that's so true. Like I I see individuals who work for my mom. My mom has a commercial cleaning company, and they're wearing Gucci and they're wearing Prada and they're wearing these shoes. And I'm like, I know how much you make. Like, what are you doing? And look, like there's nothing wrong with liking nice things. I love nice things. But let's start saving. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is let's invest. You know, I think we as Latinos can be can can be very we don't trust very well. Right, like、uh, we we don't trust the banks, especially coming from third world countries where banks aren't insured. We don't trust financial institutions because we've seen a lot of things bad happen. But we need to start investing because that is the easiest way to create wealth. Think about it. You basically are now hiring people. You are gaining employees because every time you buy one share of a company, you're buying the whole thing, and there's employees in it. There's people working for you. It's going to create passive income. It's going to help you get out of the nine to five. Right. The second thing, along with kind of to elaborate more on the second thing, is that we need to stop looking at the market when it goes down as risk. Actually, reframing that and saying that is the opportunity cost that we have to pay in the short term to actually create wealth. Right, so we need to reframe down markets because I know people get scared. It's like, oh, you know, the market was down ten percent last year, sixteen percent. If we look, think about the largest five hundred companies in the United States, but that's not forever. And if we have a good sound plan, we are going to start generating wealth. That is what everyone else is doing. Why aren't we doing it? Let's do it. Let's educate ourselves. Let's make sure we have a plan. And the third thing is create a plan. Once you have a plan and you know that, hey, if the stock market goes down and maybe I need money, but I have an emergency. 
emergency fund so I can actually access my emergency fund and not have to sell my stocks at the wrong time, then I have a good then I have a good process. Let me look at my tax return and see who, how can I pay less taxes? How is Trump right uh, paying no, no taxes and why why are are people paying so much in taxes? So let's create a plan. Get that process going. Okay. Now I know, and you I'm sure you probably agree that I've seen Latinos in terms of investing real estate. Uh, Latinos, I think because that is visual, like you can see the house. <laughs> You can see what you invested. So for our Latinos, as tell, you know, maybe they come to you and they say, but I've got some investments in the real estate. Is that sufficient? Is that sufficient for uh, the long term? Uh, talk, talk to us. Because I mean, I'm all about diversification, but I want you it coming from you. Yeah. So I have a real estate minor, a real estate investments minor. I, I love real estate. I think it's a great way to, to diversify your portfolio. But I'll give you guys an example right now of a client who Luckily, it was smart enough to diversify. Up in, they live up in Illinois. They have about four or five rentals. And when I look at the tax return, these rentals aren't really producing the income that it should be producing. And they have a lot of expenses, right? So I'm looking at this thing. I was like, okay, well, you, you see the, the building, because I know that's what people say. is like, I, I can see the house. Why don't you go walk into Best Buy? You can see Best Buy as well, right? So real estate, absolutely. Have some real estate. It's a great way to create passive income. But this is individual just to come full story they sold one of their businesses which is a car wash and they I don't want to get too technical basically moved it into this trust so they wouldn't have to pay taxes on the gain of the property and the depreciation that they had to recapture by selling this building and he was going into this trust and this trust is supposed to give him six percent interest on his money and actually buy individual homes and so I was like well all right I don't know much about this thing I know that they're paying you way more than what they should be paying you so that's kind of a red flag for me what happens this trust just basically sent out an email about three months ago and saying hey we have to stop all distributions from the trust we actually got a new CFO and a new, a new uh, CFO we ran some numbers we got some new systems in this thing and now we realize that there's still people that haven't left the houses during COVID we haven't been able to evict them right so real estate can be great but it, there's also a lot of drawbacks it's liquid also you have to recapture depreciation if you're renting it out so you basically are creating this tax bomb for you. And the only way to actually keep that investment going is to stay within real estate. So you need liquidity. You need something that's more flexible. And that's where the stock market comes back as a nice addition to, to real estate. Yeah. And when you talk about liquidity, I equate it to your money being stuck in the walls in the house. So mm -hmm. until you, let's say, sell the house, yep. you can't access the money versus in the real estate or in the real estate market, <laughs> investing the money. It's more like you mentioned, li liquidable. Is yeah. that a word? Uh, I don't know. I, think I don't know. Liquid, liquid. I think liquid is, is probably the word. <laughs> I invent words, so that's another one. I like one. it. Okay, we'll uh, write that one down. Liquidable. So, yeah, but. <laughs> But an investing is different because can access the money easier. Granted, it's not you know it's not as instant as in if you're needing it, if you have an emergency and you have your emergency funds and you can access you know go to the ATM machine or whatever take your money. But it's easier to access than when the the money is stuck in the walls of your house. They both complement each other very nicely. Yes, absolutely. Now I'm sure people are asking because they're thinking, okay, a financial planner, maybe we should be doing that. But is it 
affordable. Yeah, I like to think so. I think I'm making it affordable. So I'll kind of let you know how how things typically work in the industry. You're either going to end up paying about a a percentage of the money that that uh, financial planner or wealth advisor is managing for you. So in that instance, um, you really aren't having any cash outflows. The money gets debited out of the account automatically, so you don't really see that. Uh, it's anywhere from 1% to 2% of the, your account balance is what you would pay. But for financial planning, um, I have a package that's called the Padelante package I'm just launching, and that starts at $2,499. So while it's not like you know going to McDonald's and buying, buying a, a meal, it's still, I think, a very approachable investment to make for a financial planner to create a comprehensive plan for you and tell you, really tell you how to Get, get to financial freedom. Right. And so with that investment, it, it gives you, you give a, a plan. So yep. let's let's break that down. So I want people to understand what that sure. looks like. Um, you get a plan and then what? You also get actionable steps um, on, on the process. So the way, the way this thing looks is first we, we get together and we get you organized, right? Like we organize your financial life because people maybe have insurance policy in this drawer. They have investments in their all 401ks. They don't even know where money is. Um, you know, they've got maybe a business, everything is everywhere. So we really created, we created, we put it in a nice, um, financial planning portal so we can actually start assessing your current situation because that's the first step right it's like where are you now where are you trying to head and what shifts or changes do we need to make to your investments to your insurance policies to your tax return to your savings strategy to get you to your goals and so we get organized we we optimize your 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 strategy the second meeting typically is really getting down into the why you know, Jenna, I think you're big at this. Um, we, we all have to be really big on this because if we don't really clarify our statement of financial purpose, which is what I call, then we're gonna get um, we're gonna get really distracted with the next hot investment that's supposed to make a bunch of money or whatever it be. So we wanna make sure we have a really good idea of what we're trying to accomplish and why that's important. And then we obviously optimize the investments to get there. We optimize the the policies. Uh, I give that person a written plan of action steps that they need to take. And then 30 days later, uh, I follow up. Hey, do you have any questions? What do we need to do? And you know that's that's the way things work. That so really you 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 start as someone that knows that you've got things, but you don't really know what, what things you have and what you should do. You ultimately leave with knowing where your things are, that they're fully optimized, and where you're headed. That's wonderful. And if for someone, because I want people to understand, like the fee only financial planners like you, uh, you have that fee that comes with the plan, uh, the follow-up, and what happens like six months later if they, maybe they, they have a question and is it typical for, is that included in that investment? Do people have to pay for like a, a consultation fee? I want people to really understand yeah. what this looks like. Yeah, so it's called financial planning. It's not a financial plan. Your life changes, tax changes, things change. And so that original picture that we took for you may, may need some, some love. Um, you, would, you would end up paying more like an hourly rate for the tune-up that needs to happen uh, to your financial plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's perfect. Okay, 
Wonderful, Nestor. This has been fantastic. I really, really appreciate you being on, uh, learning more about you, and having you break down more this financial planning world for us. So thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. If there is one thing that I want you to remember from this episode, it is to not let your income, whatever that may look like, to hold you back in creating wealth and having a financial plan. You learned today what fiduciary really means, what it really means to have a fiduciary planner. Nestor also provided some simple and fantastic examples to really understand this. Likewise, he also shared with us statistics about the financial behavior of our community in the United States. Of course, financial planning is becoming increasingly important in today's world with an ever-changing economy, an unpredictable market. Having a financial planner can help ensure that you are making the most of your money. Some of the benefits of having one include better investment decisions, more efficient tax planning, improved budgeting, and expense management. Of course, also with all of that, an increased peace of mind. And hiring a financial planner may seem like an expense that you can't afford, but in the long run, it can actually save you money by helping you avoid costly mistakes and taking advantage of opportunities you might not have known about otherwise. You can probably agree after today's conversation that both Nestor and I have are really committed to continue to contribute our part in making sure that our community, that our Latino community is financially empowered. If you enjoyed this conversation and really wanted to learn more about Nestor, you can connect with him on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at Latino Money Man. Also, Nestor Vargas CFP on LinkedIn. Of course, I will make sure that we link those up in today's show notes. I am curious to know your thoughts about today's episode. Maybe you have some additional questions we didn't cover, especially as you listen to the interview. Maybe you had some aha moments or again, so just some questions. You still can ask them. Make sure to share them in our community over at jenhemphill.com forward slash community. Next week on the podcast, if you want to understand your relationship with money, feel worthy and shift your mindset to attract more opportunities, you cannot miss the next episode with Tania Basayo. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 344. That is jenhempill.com forward slash 344. Remember that being the reign of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.